This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. That's right, everybody. Welcome to WFUV's Hockey Podcast 5 on 3. This is the Tuesday, March 13th edition. We're back after our our brief little break, recovering from deadline day. Everyone needed a break after that. I'm your host, Matt Costantini. I got Jackson Heil with me. I got Nick Lehman with me. Usual lineup here. Um, got, got some stuff to talk about this week. Things have mellowed out after the trade deadline as they usually do so not a lot of crazy stuff to talk about but that does not mean that the NHL is slowing down by any means tight playoff races in both the east and the west pretty much every division is not maybe not divisional playoff spots but divisional teams are really pushing to make these playoffs so we are going to start with the team that is just continuing to surprise these New Jersey Devils they are in a really rough go of it right now. They have fallen both out of the third divisional spot in the Metro and the first wild card spot. Carolina, uh, excuse me, Columbus has overtaken them for that first wild card spot, currently sitting at 79 points with the Devils right behind them at 78 points. And there's a lot of teams pushing them right there. Um, so, good news, bad news. They've gotten healthy recently. Corey Schneider's back. Um, Brian Gibbons has come back. I'm not really sure if that matters or not. It mattered earlier. Might not matter now. Yeah, I mean, he was like the hottest player in hockey for like a week and a half in the beginning of the season. But, I mean, I, I think it was good that they survived the storm without Schneider because we mentioned on the previous shows that Kincaid and Eddie Lack weren't getting the job done. I mean, to be fair, then- Keith Kincaid has done a, a pretty good job. I mean, he... He's not Corey Schneider. He's Clearly. not. He's not Clearly an elite he's goaltender. Not Schneider, but. but I mean, he, some of these teams he's gone up against. I mean, he's beaten Pittsburgh a few times this year. I'm pretty sure he's beaten Tampa Bay at least once. I'm not sure if he was in net for that other game that they won. Um, and then he went out and beat Nashville the other night. He did as good as a backup is gonna do against these teams. I mean, Unless at the end of Talbot. at the end of the day, he's a backup. He's not a starter. I don't think he will be. But for the Devils, he he did the job well enough that now Corey Schneider's back and ready to get back to work. So, yeah, sorry, just just to interject. I mean, I honestly, I'm I'm to the fact that the Devils are still in a playoff spot. Obviously, you would have been happy with that at the beginning of the season. I honestly think you could be happy with that just now, even after. I mean, because they, when they lost Schneider, I mean, it could have things could have really spiraled out of control. And thanks to Taylor Hall, they were able to kind of right the ship at some point and. They're not out of the woods yet. I mean, Florida's played some really good hockey lately. They still have two games in hand on New Jersey, and if they were to win those two, they'd be in the playoff spot at the moment. But there's still there's still room for improvement there. I mean, they could they could easily find themselves in the third spot in the Metro if the Flyers tail off a bit at, towards the end of the season after their red hot go, and even if Columbus because because they haven't played all that well throughout the season. So I, I think that the Devils, although I. They're not real. They definitely could find a way to not end up at the playoffs at the end of the season. I, I think you definitely have to like the spot they're in. So while the good news is that they are starting to get healthy and that they are still in a playoff spot, the bad news is is that they are still not totally healthy. Marcus Johansson is not on this road trip that they are currently on, and it's not seeming like he'll be back anytime soon. Maybe in time for the playoffs. Nobody really knows with these concussion issues that he's been having this year. 
Um, Pavel Zak is out again. Um, they're not really sure if he'll be on this route. He didn't travel with them initially to this Vegas game to tonight or tomorrow night. One of the two. I think they're, yeah, they're practicing today. They play tomorrow. Um, he might join them later on this trip, but it's up in the air with him and they would like to get him back in the lineup. He's really been showing that he's kind of coming along this year, uh, recently at least. And, the, probably the worst news for this Devils team fighting for a playoff spot is that they have the hardest remaining schedule left this year, and they are in the midst of a brutal six-game road trip that they were lucky enough to get a win against Nashville, ending Nashville's 10-game win streak in their place. But now they go up against Vegas, up against LA, Anaheim, uh, the Sharks, and Pittsburgh Penguins. So... These next five games are going to be so important for the Devils to make sure that I so there's an available what ten points on this current road trip. So I think twelve twelve points left on this road trip. Um, well, well, ten left, twelve total. Yeah, so ten yeah. left. Um, I think they need at least seven, six, six, six seven I, points. I you gotta That's win. An least, you gotta minimum. you gotta win at least three of these games because far like I mentioned, Florida's coming at you. And they've played, they've played excellently. I mean, you have that line, that top line of Barkov, Dadanov, and whoever you want to put on the wing there. It doesn't really matter. They, they've been, they've had such a good year. They've gotten great production out of the Ekblad and Yandel pairing, and they've been one of the bigger surprises this year. After Dave, Dave Tyon blew up this franchise essentially, where they seemingly abandoned analytics and they, they, to their credit, they, they've had, they've gotten some really nice production there. But back to the Devils anyway. I mean. They have to keep pace at some point, and now that you do have Schneider back, and we know they're without Johansson, and they should prepare for life without him for the rest of the season because I think it would just be smart not to bring him back. For, for his sake, I for, think that he his, shouldn't play health, again. For his health going forward, especially with the con- concussion issues are very serious. Was this his second time this season? Yeah. He's got one. Yeah. And, one and really I'm pretty sure he received the second one almost immediately after coming back from the first one, so it's definitely not a good situation for him right now. Yeah, but, but overall, I mean... Get getting points, especially against teams in the Metro like Pittsburgh thought the tail end of that road trip. I feel like you have to win over them at some point, and then they can get points from L.A. and Anaheim. I mean, Anaheim's been playing pretty well, but I don't think L.A. personally is all that good, and I think Anaheim is beatable for sure. So there are definitely points to be added, not to mention Vegas, who hasn't been playing all that well of late. So there's definitely room to get points. It's a matter of whether they do or not, and I think this road trip will ultimately decide their fate as to whether they're a playoff team or sitting on the outside looking at it at the end of the season. I agree. And if I think this is a nightmare trip for any NHL team in the league. But at the end of the day, if you look on paper, it's bad. But if you really look at it, you know, you already beat Nashville. That's already huge because they were on a 10-game home win streak. I, I believe they've already beaten L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose at home. Am I wrong? I think they beat them all. And, uh, maybe. And then they've beaten Pittsburgh both times this year. Yeah, so I know they beat Anaheim when Henry so this had is that doable. loft goal over Vatnin, which is pretty incredible. But um, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure about the other two. Right, but regardless, I, I think these these yeah. games are winnable. It's just historically the Devils have had trouble when they hit the West Coast. But let's see if they can change that around. It's a new year. It's a new season, and. I think that 
if they are serious about making the playoffs, this is going to be the two weeks where they decide we are a playoff team, we are not. And just to add, when they come back from Pittsburgh, the next night they're playing Tampa at home, which they've also beaten in, I believe, twice yeah, this they season. Yeah, they beat them the first two times they played them this year. And the, this, look, we said it. they had the hardest remaining schedule. It's not going to get any easier from here on out. Almost, I, they're not in must-win-every-single-game territory yet, but it's coming up soon, and they're going to need production from a lot of these players. I mean, Patrick Maroon came over, and he's looked pretty good, but someone they'd need to get going is Michael Grabner. I mean, he's played, what, 11, 12 games with, with this New Jersey Devils team so far from being traded, and he has yet to register a single point, not a goal, not an assist. So... That's not to say that I don't like him as a player, and that's not to say that he's been playing poorly because he does other things well. He uses his speed on the forecheck, he crashes the net, and he's a very good player. He just needs to find his scoring touch. Um, So we've been saying it all year. They're lucky to still be where they are. They're not supposed to be where they are, and Taylor Hall for MVP. Moving on, (laughs) we have the New York Islanders who are just in the worst imaginable spot right now. I was been, I've been saying it all season leading up to the trade deadline and even after the trade deadline, why did they not move John Tavares? They are not in a position to win now. They're really not looking like they're in a position to win anytime soon. So realistically, what are the Islanders doing? That, 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 that's a tough question to explain. It really, yeah. It seems like we're asking that literally every year, whether they are, what what are they exactly doing and... The decisions from Garth Snow in the front office have continued to baffle me. I mean, it. I didn't understand extending ba- extending Bailey right now. I mean, unless he, he's been he he's been great for them. No, no, no question about it. But you could have gotten a massive haul for him at the deadline. And the fact that they think they're really complo- close to competing, I think, is is pretty much shows how incompetent that front office is because. You look at up and down this line, I mean, their defense isn't getting any help soon. The goaltending is bad and doesn't look like reinforcements are coming soon because Ilya Sorkin is over in Russia. There's reports that he doesn't want to come over to the U.S. and play for the Islanders, and I can't blame him on, under that matter. And they yeah. are probably going to lose their franchise player and are one of their best players to ever play for the Islanders. So it didn't make sense to me that they didn't move. Am I surprised? Not at all, but... It, it would have. It just made the writing was on the wall for them to make moves because it was clear they weren't going to make the playoffs this year. That's become even more clear after the deadline, and it, this team is just a complete disaster. I mean, they finally got off, got off their eight game losing streak against uh, Calgary. Right, oh, good the for end. them. It's a little bit About too late, time. right? Yeah, I mean, if they had any hope of trying to pull anything out playoff wise, that's completely gone now. But. They go home. They have a home and home with Washington. I mean, it's not going to be a pretty end to the season. That's for sure. No, not at all. No. I no. mean, I mean, it's hard to even talk about them because it really like, is. I, I'd be depressed if I was an Islanders fan. I'm, I'm not going to lie there. I mean, they they're in such a bad spot. And I, at least the Rangers, at least they recognized recognized where they were at. They realized they had no chance of making the playoffs. They had expiring contracts with value that they could move along with Ryan McDonough and JT Miller, and they loaded themselves up and now have a ch- will have a chance to hopefully compete in the next few years. You just don't see that with the Islanders right now, and I think until they make a change in the front office and get Snow out of there, 
nothing nothing about this franchise is going to change. I would have to agree, and they got a heavy end of the year. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. They got two straight weeks with four games Ugh, per week. That's brutal. I mean, that it's going to tire them out, I think. They should pretty much just rest some of their players now, like take it easy because you're not – it's going to be an un, like bad end of the season. And I, I agree, it starts with the front office, and if they can't get Tavares back, this may be a long road back for the Islanders. Yeah, I don't expect Tavares back. I don't think that he has any interest in playing for this middling franchise that it's going to be splitting home games between Brooklyn and Long Island for these next couple of years at least. Can't um, blame him. <laughs> yeah, I don't. If I were him, I'd get out of there as soon as possible. Which the team doesn't have a home, technically. Yeah. Um. So the New York Rangers. Um. Everyone was expecting them to just lose every single game going forward, following their fire sale at the trade deadline. But honestly, they haven't looked that bad. I mean, their last ten, they're they're four four and two. Um, I feel like the only reason that they've won those games is on the back of Henrik Lundqvist, who is the only reason and, this- and Alexander Gorgiev for that matter. Yeah, but yeah, no, it, it's 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 ugly. It, it's ugly to watch, unfortunately. But I mean, listen, you want to get the young guys in, and you want you want them to play, and and that's the most important thing down the stretch. I mean, obviously, you want to lose as many games to get a chance and at more lottery at more ping pong balls for the lottery, but. I mean, I've been. You got to be happy with the way John Gilmore's played since he got called up. Dean Anthony D'Angelo was making progress until he looked like he might have broke his ankle last night, which really sucks. But I mean, and the guys they got at the deadline. I mean, Nemestikov's played well. Ryan Spooner has like twelve points in seven games, mm-hmm. and who would have seen that coming? Exactly. Not to mention they've also got they got a first round pick and a prospect from Boston as well. So that's looking like a fine trade right now, but. Their offseason is going to be really interesting to watch because you have to think they trade at least one of Hayes, Nemestikov, and Spooner, who are all RFAs this summer. And there are others that could be moved as well. I mean, I don't think anyone is is safe right now in the Rangers. I mean, Lundqvist probably is because only because he has a no move new no move clause in his contract. And listen, he doesn't really deserve. I don't think he deserves to get moved. No, but. There's this off season is going to be really interesting and action packed for sure, and it's something that I'm looking forward to because it's it's really hard to watch the Rangers right now. I think Ranger fans should just look forward to the off season because they have set themselves up so well from the trade deadline. I think they did an excellent job at the trade deadline, and the fact just the fact that Jim Dolan actually was the one that called for that and he said something that made sense is kind of astonishing in itself. But um, I think. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what they do in the offseason because right now they're set up pretty well. They got some great returns on the trades they made. So, I mean, even from, you know, smaller trades, even the grabbing the trade, they still get a great defenseman back. So, like, even the smaller trades that they got, they're still, I think, winning out uh, as we as we see thus far <laughs> uh, with the, from the devil's end. So, I think the Rangers have set themselves up really well, and they may be back a lot sooner than we think. So the Rangers are absolutely looking forward to the 2018 NHL entry draft. Uh, they're currently sitting within the top 10 or the bottom 10 of teams, so it's looking like they'll they'll have a chance in the lottery at a top three pick. Uh, you saw what the Flyers, Devils, and Stars did last year. Not necessarily that was still insane. Yeah, I mean, still not necessarily playing. the worst teams in the league, but they ended up winning the lottery, and that's the whole point of the system, right? So, 
moving away from the locals and getting more into the rest of the league, a major milestone was hit last night. Alexander Ovechkin is the only active player with 600 NHL goals right now, and it's pretty much a given that he will go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest and most prolific goal scorer in NHL history. I don't think that's a stretch to say. No, um, not at all. And, you know, it's it's a shame that Alex Ovechkin is probably going to enter the Hall of Fame and retire without a Stanley Cup because he's been the best player on this team for basically since he was drafted. And... You know, the guys around him are all right, but they just haven't been able to to take this team to the next level yet. So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what this this milestone not only means for Alex Ovechkin, but maybe for the league overall. I think the league has always been looking for scoring in recent years, and they should be focusing more on Alex Ovechkin. It's just saying that the Capitals can't get out of the second round. So maybe if eventually they do that, they can give this man what he deserves, which is a Stanley Cup. I mean, think about it. He's the fourth youngest to, uh, or least amount of games to 600. And that's including, you know, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Brett Hall, and I believe Mario Lemieux. So those are some very, very impressive names to be put up with. And I think no doubt Hall of Famer, but... And I think even Wayne Gretzky came out last night saying he want he's rooting for him to win a Stanley Cup. So I, I mean, who isn't he, honestly? Like I'm even rooting I'm for him to get a Stanley Cup. I'm I mean, not, if, but listen, you know, if, if the if, great ones behind you, that's usually a good start. If they trade him from Washington, I would be all in on that. <laughs> but I, I want no part of the Capitals getting out of the second round. I, that's one of my favorite routes in in all of sports. But ju- just in general, I mean, he. It's hard to call him underrated because he's been talked about for so long. And he's he's a multi-time award winner. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. He's definitely not o- underrated. He's not Underappreciated underrated. might be the better word because it just feels like, I mean, Washington has wasted arguably the best goal scorer of all time and done absolutely nothing to to really help him. I mean, and listen, they, they have had pieces around him. That's not, not to say that they haven't made an effort to add him because you have – a guy like Nicholas Backstrom, a Vesna winner in Braden Holpe. And, I mean, last year they were they were loaded. But it just seems like Washington can't get over the hump and will not get over the hump at any point. And it's, it's, it's just interesting to see. There were rumors about him potentially getting traded last year, which is bizarre. He wasn't. He, to be fair, uh, up to his standards, he was not playing well last year. Um, I know that from a from a fantasy hockey standpoint, he was my and he still had, still had thirty three <laughs> yeah. goals last yeah. year, which is unbelievable. Um, but you would think that a guy that essentially stands in one spot all game while he's on the ice has amassed six hundred goals. They've the the fond term the Ovizoid is where he scored uh, most of his goals. Yeah, that and l- that left circle shot. Yeah, where right then, right you, at the you, point. You know exactly where he's gonna be. And you still can't stop him because he's just—he's so so tremendously talented. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. He's—it's—it's it, hard to put really into words how how good of a shooter he is and just how good of a talent he is. I mean, the the one thing I love about him is he—he's—he lays the body too. I mean, yeah, when, when, that is an under—that is an undervalued part of his game. He really is not does, scared yes. to get into <clears throat> confrontations. I don't even know if it's an underrated part of his game necessarily, but he's just—he adds so much electricity. To to a team when he can 
set that when he can literally set the place on fire by laying the body on a guy. And it, he's he's just he's one of the most exciting players to watch of all time. And I, I hope that eventually he does get the appreciation he deserves, just not in Washington. I feel like it. Uh, regardless of who is still playing, I know Patrick Marlowe has a chance at 600 goals. He needs like 70 more. He'll probably never get there. There are some other guys that are within the area but probably won't get there. So kind of looking forward, it's it's hard to tell who's going to be the next guy that kind of gets to this kind of milestone, the 600-goal milestone. Uh, I mean, it could be a guy like Patrick Laine who who Washington played last night and was there watching. I mean, he was on the ice when Ovechkin scored. So, And Laine has proven over these first two years to be a massive goal scorer, already up to 40 this year. So who knows what will happen there. Um, Washington, of course, leading the Metro. Um, they're set for another... Another playoff run, hopefully for them to the to the second to round. To the second where round, be eliminated yeah. By Pittsburgh again, <laughs> of course. Well, hopefully not for them, but I mean, if my Devils are still in there, as, I hope as, so. as much as I hate watching Pittsburgh win, it would be really comical if, if they beat them again for the third year in a row in the second round. And I mean, Pittsburgh's loaded this year too. I mean. The mm-hmm. fact that you could have Derek Broussard as your third center is just absolutely bizarre. <laughs> I'm not sure if that if them losing for a third year in a row says something about them or says something about the way that the current NHL playoff format is structured. Uh, but that is a conversation for another day, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into at some point because my opinions on the playoff format is that it needs a massive overhaul and it's just not good. Unfortunately, I think that's the opinion of everyone in hockey except for Gary Bettman. Who well, Gary Bettman has a lot of opinions that are very different from the rest of us. Yeah, but, I mean, listen, it'll be interesting to see. I, I personally don't think... I think this is the worst Washington team we've seen in the last three years. Oh, I yeah. Mean, they were really good two years ago, and last year, obviously, they were the President's Trophy winners. But this, I, I don't see this team winning more than one playoff series. And I, it, I'd even, I, I think that's the one team I'd want, if you're a Devils fan, I'd want them to face in the Metro because the Devils can definitely beat Washington. Well, this is actually a perfect transition to what we're going to talk about to close our show out here is teams that are currently in a playoff spot that that might hold on, might not hang on, and some teams that are kind of knocking on the door to see if they can make it in. Um, you mentioned it, Jackson, the Washington Capitals are leading and the Devils are right are in that second wildcard spot. That would actually be a first-round matchup coming this playoff season. Yep. So we're about... 12, 13, 14 games left in this regular season. So, guys, give me a team that is currently in the playoffs that you do not think will still be there come the end of the season. I'll start. I personally don't mean to go against you guys personally, but I think it's the Devils, to be honest, because we mentioned the stretch they have out west. I they can win they can win the they can win a fair amount of these games. I just don't think they will. And the the main thing here is that Florida's been playing so so well lately, and they have two games in hand. If they win those two, they'd be a point up on the Devils for that final wild card spot. And I just think Alexander Barkov, Justin, Jonathan Huberdeau, for that matter, not Justin, and Vincent Trocek, those three forwards for Florida, will provide just too much. And I, I, I don't see the Devils being able to overcome Florida coming down the stretch and that that's ironically going to be one of the more interesting stretches to watch because that's two teams that we thought would be nowhere near the playoffs come the beginning of the season and they're going to be the two teams fighting for that final spot in the metro and will have the honor 
of getting swept by Tampa Bay? Um, I think I well, I I think I have to disagree with you. Devils so far have had oh, Tampa's clearly number. Clearly, you're going to disagree with me. Uh, yeah, well, you've yeah. been on the Devils' uh, losing train stopped. all stopped. seasons. So. I, I have been, but if if you don't think that Tampa's going to sweep the Devils in a playoff series, they're not going to sweep. Anyway, you're right. They're going to sweep Florida. Who's next? Who you got? Yeah, Nick? probably. Who you got? <laughs> because the reason I say they're going to sweep Florida is because I think that Columbus is going to fall down. I mean, I know they've been hot right now. I just don't see them continuing that. They have made some trades. I I don't see them keeping up the pace. I mean, you could maybe say that for Philly too. I mean, I don't know how they had. They went on their hot streak now, cooling down again. They they were at top of the Metro. Now they're starting to come down again. So I think the Devils will be safe in their wild card spot, but I don't think Columbus will be in Florida. Will jump up to that extra spot. I think a team that. Um, is outside that could potentially come in could be St. Louis. They have experience. Even though they traded away a guy like Paul Stasny, all of a sudden it seems like they've woken up a little bit. I I don't know what to say about that. They're still hanging around. They were in such a funk that if they didn't fall out of – if they didn't get back into the race with the talent that they have on that team – you could have called for Mike Yu's job, even though I thought he'd done, he's done a fantastic job in the first half of this year right. before that stretch. But They have the would, coaching. They have the experience. It, it wouldn't be too far-fetched for me to see St. Louis in the playoffs this year. I mean, they have the talent. I mean, Jaden Schwartz looked like an MVP candidate before he went down injured, and obviously you have the Vladimir Tarasenko's and the Alexander Steens of the world. Plus, on defense, they're loaded, too, with Petrangelo, Colton Pareko. And if they get the goaltending from Jake Allen, that's a team I could see if they get in making a run in the playoffs. But, Nick, I definitely agree with you that that's a team that could push for a potential playoff spot late in the season. So for those of you that know me, I have no love for Philadelphia area sports teams. But this is not why the Flyers are my choice to fall out of the playoffs. It might it might come off as biased against Philadelphia, but I promise you it's not. I just don't th- – granted, they have a fantastic offense, Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek and Sean Couturier have been excellent this season, but I just do not think that they're going to get the level of goaltending they need to stay afloat in the Metropolitan Division, especially being only three points up on the second wild card spot, and they could fall out of that third Metro spot any day. I mean, they thought Peter Mrazek was going to be the answer at goaltender with, when they moved made the move before the deadline, and he I don't know, is just I don't know so if, bad. I don't know if that was as much the answer as opposed to just needing a body to play goalie who is competent at the NHL level. And listen, Mrazek has struggled. I'm not going to say he's played well because he hasn't. But that that is an interesting choice. I never really thought about Philly, to be honest. I mean, they've kind of... I mean, they've gone through those stretches. I mean, they, they looked like mm-hmm. one of the worst teams in hockey in the beginning of the yeah, season. I mean, well, they, they, lost, they lost 10 straight. First of all, they lost 10 straight. 10 and, straight then, and then over a two-month stretch, they looked like the best team in hockey. So... I don't know if this might just be a stretch for them, but I honestly don't think they're going to get the level of goaltending they need to stay in a playoff spot. Jackson, who is a team that could potentially make that jump into the playoffs? Well, I think I, Florida was the team that I, I, I really like, and I I don't like what they did with the abandoning the analytics completely, which they did over the offseason, but they're so talented up and down that roster and when Luan goes healthy he's been absolutely tremendous for Florida yeah, this year. Yeah, he has been. And mm-hmm. the question of him is can he stay healthy down the stretch? He finally is healthy now. And 
you have one of the most underrated players in the league in Alexander Barkov, who's finally getting really the credit he deserves this year. He's been so good this year. He's been tremendous. I mean, him and Sean Couturier have been, are the clear candidates for the Selkie this year. You think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just them? Well, Bergeron's there, obviously. Bergeron's obviously a mainstay. Well, who's the guy you're thinking of? I would have gone with Kopitar, honestly. No, I I'm, I'm giving it to Barkov, but not nonetheless. They, they Florida's tremendous. I mean, Vincent Trocheck is one of the best two centers in the league that you're gonna find, and obviously you have Jonathan Huberdo. They're loaded up front with those top two lines. With and Evgeny Dadonov has had a 20 goal season too in his first year back in the NHL. Who would have so. seen that coming? Yeah, you put him with Alexander Barkov, you can you yeah. can do some pretty good things. But nonetheless, that that's the team I think is going to end up making the playoffs over one of. I think it's going to be the Devils, but like you said, I could see easily Columbus potentially falling out of it, or even the Flyers for that matter. So I think I'm going to go with Calgary making it in. I mean, they're mm. set. They got 78 points. They only need to jump Anaheim and Colorado, which is doable. I think Goudreau and Monahan are pretty good. And they might be able to get it done. That Kachuk guy's pretty good. Yeah, too. Kachuk's all right. I'm not a big <laughs> Kachuk guy, but that's just me. I'll cry me at River. Guys, that is all we have for this week. Thank you for joining us on the Five on Three podcast. For Jackson Heil and Nick Lehman, I was Matt Costantini. We'll talk soon.